To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. Positive Sarcasm dot com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. The Weeble app is alive and kicking. Go ahead and get some free stocks using this uh, link in the the affiliate link in the description down below. Go ahead and use that. Get yourself some free stocks to start off your account. They got cash management. They got options trading. They have, you can start your IRA. You can start your retirement just with the power of your cell phone, tablet, or desktop. You'll get free stocks. And of course, by signing up using my link, I'll get free stocks. There's another way of supporting this platform and all things PS. Questions, concerns, comments, you can hit me up through my Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can email me through my website, positivesarcasm.com, or you can email me directly with the subject matter, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Uh, posing music for all fitness competitors, of course, hit me up through my website and uh, let me know what you need, when you need it. Um, I look forward to helping any fitness competitor across the, ti- the entire planet. And so far, I actually have helped fitness competitors all across the planet. So get after it. Good luck to you in your next upcoming show. And let me know if there's any way that I can assist you. I need to take you down memory lane. And we, I need to carefully and calmly dissect what the current news is trending about this particular topic. It is still in the argumentative stage, but this is a major factor in the reason I left YouTube in terms of the podcast. So in around September 5th of 2022, come on, getting a sip of my sugar-free ginger ale. It's hot out there today. Oh, humid, at least. In September 2022, I, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, debuted an episode um, where the first article was about, uh, the first topic was about ivermectin being peer-reviewed. And then on... Yeah, I got, no, excuse me. On September 5th, 2022, I received a, a warning. And I'll show you that warning right now. So, I received a warning that my content was removed due to a violation of the community guidelines on YouTube. Because of it was a, I was the first time, this was the first time, my account wasn't affected, only I was warned, and this warning would remain on my channel. If, I, if this were to happen again, I would receive a community guidelines strike, and I wouldn't be able to do things like upload, post, or live stream for at least one week. And obviously in this channel, I post every week, so I might have had to miss another episode. The content was removed. If I thought that YouTube made a mistake, which obviously I thought they did, um, I was able to appeal the decision. So on September 5th, I appealed, or sometime around there, I appealed the decision because their policy was under the medical misinformation policy. 
about ivermectin being peer-reviewed. Now, there's a lot of arguments of the validity on the actual peer reviews, but there's a lot of arguments on all sides, on all medicine, whether or not the studies were accurate, doctored, misinterpreted, um, oppressed, censored. So, I submitted it. Now, not long after I submitted my appeal, my appeal was rejected. We looked at your content again carefully, which I doubt, and have confirmed that it does violate community guidelines. It will not be available on YouTube. We know it may be disappointing. It is. But it's important that we keep the YouTube community protected. Protected from what? So, once again, I need to stay calm, practice patience and serenity. Okay, something I'm known for on this channel. I simply went and said, okay, well... If you don't restate, reinstate my stuff, I'm not going to stay. It was like when I on when I was on TikTok, my stuff started getting censored simply because some of it I was making fun of the Chinese king per se, uh, President Xi Jinping, or as a lot of people like to call him, Winnie the fucking Pooh. Um, my content was censored because I was doing some funny news articles, and I said I don't like my content being censored because I'm not going to self-censor. So I decided, fuck you, I'm not going to use your product, and I left. So I left TikTok, deleted my account, even though I was starting to do really, really well in there. I'm not going to censor my shit for nobody. No, thank you. I'll censor myself in church. But then again, I don't go to church. That being said, same thing applies for YouTube. And I still have channels on YouTube, and the podcast channel is still available on YouTube. However... Unlike the other channels, the podcast channel, I decided I'm not going to post on there anymore. I just simply put up that my content has moved elsewhere, and the video version of the podcast is now available exclusively on Rumble. You can still find the audio version anywhere where podcasts are available in the audio audio version, but I was not going to post on there because I didn't want to have to self-censor my content um, and deal with the threats of my channel getting deleted. So it's like, screw that. I'm just going to simply take it somewhere where it is accepted in all of its form, whether it's true, whether uh, I made a mistake, whether I read something wrong, which I do, whether I needed to clarify it in the next episode. It's all the process of learning. All right. My content may be incomplete. My content may be uh, 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 ill-advised. My content may be um, irrational at times, but... Like any other human being, I have the chance to either move on with the, move on from the subject or talk about the subject or elaborate on the subject or gather an audience of my own who wants to have who wants to enjoy content for what it is, not for what YouTube decides that it should be. So I moved from there over to Rumble and that's where it is to this day. Um, now, why am I bringing up an a episode from last year, from one year ago today? Well, I will. If you guys don't know what ivermectin is, truly what it is, according to the NIH, the National Institute of Health, a government, a government-funded agency, I will take you directly to their website, where in 2011 they published an article about the proceedings of a, the, from the Jap, Japan Academy Series B Physical and Biological Science. 
Public Medical Central, the National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnical Information. Okay. I've, and it's literally called Ivermectin, quote, wonder drug from Japan, the human use perspective. What's, I'll give you the standard facts of what you see in this article. February 10th, 2011, posted, cited, everything's in here. An official document, an official peer-reviewed document. The editor, Satoshi Umura. Abstract. Discovered in the late 1970s, the pioneering drug ivermectin, a dihydroderivative of avermectin, originally sole, originating solely from a single microorganism isolated at the Kitasato Institute, Tokyo, Japan, from the Japanese soil, has had an immeasurably beneficial impact in improving the lives and welfare of billions of people throughout the world. Originally introduced as a veterinary drug, it kills a wide range of internal and external parasites in commercial livestock and companion animals. It was quickly discovered to be ideal in combating two of the world's most devastating and disfiguring diseases which have plagued the world's poor throughout the tropics for centuries. It is now being used free of charge as the sole tool in campaigns to eliminate both diseases globally. It has also been used to successfully overcome several other human diseases and new uses for it are continuously, continually being found. This paper looks in depth at the events surrounding ivermectin's passage from being a huge success in animal health into its widespread use in humans, a development which has led many to describe it as, quote, a wonder drug. Okay, introduction. It literally praises this drug. There are a few drugs that can seriously lay claim to the title of wonder drug. Penicillin and aspirin being two that perhaps had greatest beneficial impact on the health and well-being of mankind. By the way, aspirin you can literally overdose on. But ivermectin can, can be considered alongside those worthy contenders based on its versatility, safety, and safety and beneficial impact that it has had to con and continues to have worldwide on hundreds of millions of the world's poorest people. Several extensive reports, including reviews authored by us, have been published detailing the events behind the discovery, development, and commercialization of avermectins and ivermectins, as well as the donation of ivermectin and its use in combating, uh, excuse me, I can't pronounce this, Onchorocerciasis and lymphatic filariasis. However, none have concentrated in detail on the interacting sequence of events involved in the passage of the drug into human use. And I will briefly skirt through this section here. When it first appeared in the 1970s, ivermectin, derivative of ivermectin, truly revolutionary drug. Revolutionary. Wonder drug. One of it, uh, you know... You know, worthy contenders, well-being to mankind, words being used to describe this product. Uh, unprecedented, world's first endecticide, forerunner of completely new class, completely new class of anti-parasitic agents, potent, uh, potently active against wide-ranging reins of internal and external nematodes and arthropods in the 1970s. So they did a lot of testing in Tokyo's institute. Uh, 
Merck, which is a huge drug uh, pharma, pharmacological organization, Sharp and Dome, they did uh, they uh, funded the research, and then it was widely used for commercial he- uh, for, uh, commercially for animal health back in 1981 against a wide range of parasites, gastrointestinal round, roundworms, lungworms, mites, lice, and hornflies. It was highly effective against ticks, and then. A bunch of other shit so to put this in perspective with animal product uh, in brazil where 80 percent of the bovine herd is infested losses totaled about two billion dollars annually now today it's being used to treat million, billions of livestock and pets around the world to produce boost production of food and leather products and keeping billions of companion animals particularly dogs and horses healthy the blockbuster drug in the animal sector meaning that it achieved annual sales of over 1 billion US dollars. Maintained this status for over 20 years. Off-label, sometimes illegally, for example, to treat fish lice in the aquaculture industry. So, it was a huge hit in the animal kingdom. Moving on. It praises it even more. Ivermectin proved to be a wonder drug, more of a wonder drug, in human health improving the nutrition, general health, and well-being of billions of people worldwide. Ever since it was first used to treat that big word that I can barely say, onchocerciasis or psychiasis in humans in 1988. It proved ideal in many ways, being highly effective and broad-spectrum, safe, well-tolerated, and could easily be administered. A single annual oral dose is used to treat a variety of internal nematode infections including that onco but uh onco word strongloid strongloid if it's really that long and probably that dangerous um larva migrants i mean all kinds of parasitic oral treatment for uh ectoparasitic infections pediculosis lice infestation scabies Ivermectin is an essential mainstay of two global disease elimination campaigns that should soon rid the world of two of the most disfiguring and devastating diseases, the onco and the lymphatic filariasis, which blight the lives of billions of the billions of the poor and disadvantaged throughout the tropics. It is likely that throughout the next decade, well over 200 million people will be taking the drug annually or semi-annually via innovative globally coordinated mass drug administration programs. Indeed, the discovery, development, and deployment of this drug, Ivermectin, produced by an unprecedented partnership between the private sector, pharmaceutical multinational Merck Co., and the public sector, Kitasato Institute in Tokyo, aided by the extraordinary coalition of multidisciplinary interdimensional partners and disease-affected communities, have been recognized by many observers and experts as one of the greatest medical accomplishments of the 20th century. Quote, the progress that has been made in combining the disease, the disease represents one of the most triumphant public campaigns, health campaigns, ever waged in the developing world. It talks about how terrible these fucking drugs are and how amazing ivermectin has been in the com- in combating these things and effectively el- eliminating these things. Um, Onchocerciasis, or whatever it's called, it's behind the leading cause of blindness caused by infectious disease. The disease caused visual damage for 1 to 2 million people, around half of whom will become blind. 
I mean, this is some apparently absolutely crippling diseases. And it talks about the donation of it. Obviously, uh, ivermectin at this point is no longer, <clears throat> excuse me, no longer uh, commercially viable because the patent has expired on it. So you can get it for literally a few dollars a pill. So the money has already been made on this drug. Sip of sodas. Uh, so let me get to the next part here by the way you can find this on ncbi.nlm.nah.gov government website uh, development of ivermectin for human use talks about um, everything that they did all the trials that it's gone through to be considered safe and effective for a specific number of of uh, you know ailments uh, with respect to research needs, six specific blah 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 chemotherapeutic agents to be considered, other drugs. I mean, it's just a it, it, this article is deep, detailed, and highly praising of this drug. Okay. Now, the advantages. It just it's you got to go check it out. It's an amazing article that does nothing from 2011 that praises the use of ivermectin. And this is on a government, the American government's website from the NIH. The NIH, which was led just recently by Dr. Anthony Fauci, this, is his, this was his, uh, his government wing that he operated on. This article is on there. So moving over to here. This is from the U.S. Food and Drug, Drug Administration. This is 10 years later. No, less than 10. Yeah, about 10 years later, the article published uh, regarding the praise of ivermectin. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, another wing of the federal government, the FDA, says specifically why you should not use ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19. And it shows a picture of a vet with a very pretty horse and a doctor and his patient wearing surgical masks that have recently, uh, after a recent study, have been deemed completely ineffective against preventing the spread of COVID. Well, I will read this article to you because apparently this article may have, if this was, um, where's that picture I had here? Medical misinformation I wonder if this article here, published by the FDA itself, would be considered mis medical misinformation. So it talks about the FDA's job to carefully evaluate the scientific data on a drug to be sure that it is both safe and effective in for a particular use. We do know, according to the NIH uh, article there, which was extremely detailed, we know it is a safe drug to take. Um, one of the FDA, okay. In some instances, it could be highly dangerous to use a to be to use a medicine for the prevention of treatment of COVID-19 that has not been pr approved by or not received emergency emergency use authorization from the FDA. Note, please note that emergency use authorization was approved for the vaccine. The vaccine, um, of course, does have a patent on it, where ivermectin does not. 
There seems to be a growing interest in a drug called ivermectin for the prevention or treatment of COVID-19 in humans. Certain animal formulations of ivermectin, such as poron, injectable, paste, and drench, are approved in the U.S. to treat prevent parasites in animals. But of co- for humans, ivermectin tablets are approved at a very specific dose to treat some parasitic worms. This is true. And there are topical skin formulations for head and lice and skin conditions like rosacea. Okay. However, the FDA has received multiple reports of patients who have, uh, who have required medical attention, including hospitalization, after self-medicating with ivermectin intended for livestock. Okay. Here's what you need to know about ivermectin. The FDA has not authorized approved ivermectin for use in preventing or treating COVID-19 in humans or in animals. Ivermectin is approved for human use to treat infections caused by some parasitic worms, as we stated. Currently available data does not show ivermectin is effective against COVID-19. Clinical trials assessing ivermectin tablets for the prevention or COVID-19 treatment of COVID are ongoing. Taking large doses of ivermectin is dangerous. If your healthcare provider writes you an ivermectin prescription, fill it through a legitimate source such as a pharmacy and take it as exactly as prescribed. So we'll read this part again. If your healthcare provider writes you a prescription for this product, fill it through a legitimate source such as a pharmacy and take it exactly as prescribed. Almost like if your doctor prescribed you ivermectin as a preventative measure against COVID or for anything, it would be considered a legitimate drug for which you should be taking. Never use medications intended for animals on yourself or other people. Animal ivermectin products are very different. Okay, what is ivermectin and how it's used? It's used to treat, it's FDA to treat people with intestinal strongloidosis and onchio blah, blah, blah. Some forms of animal ivermectin are approved. Health worm, disease, treat, blah, blah, blah. Okay, when can ivermectin be unsafe? In large doses or in animal sized doses? All right. There's a lot of misinformation around. You may have heard if it's okay to take large doses of ivermectin. We're not talking about that. We're talking about whether or not it is considered a safe and effective drug. And you said specifically that it is ongoing. Um, So options for preventing and treating COVID. The most effective way to limit the spread of COVID-19, including getting a COVID-19 when it's available to you and following current CDC guidelines. (coughs) Okay. So that simply talks about why you should not use ivermectin or treat prevent COVID-19, even though it says specifically down here, if your healthcare provider prescribes it to you. Now, in there is, in some instances, where doctors, so here we are. Um, let's see. Three medical doctors contend that the FDA repeatedly cautioned and even ordered doctors in 2021 to not prescribe ivermectin for COVID. The doctors initially filed the case in 2022, but the federal judge dismissed it, which led to the appeal in the Fifth Circuit Court. Many doctors across the country have lost their licenses or been dismissed from their practices for prescribing this drug. Dr. Merrill J. Nass had her license suspended by the licensing board in Maine after she prescribed it via telemedicine. A Florida doctor was fired from a Florida hospital uh, board meeting for testifying that ivermectin was effective against COVID. Across the country, doctors are now in fear of the government. The f- quote, the fundamental issue in this case is straightforward. After the FDA approves the drug for human, uh, approves the human drug for sale, does it then have the authority to interfere with how interfere with how that drug is used within a doctor-patient relationship? The answer is no. 
but that is argued by Jared Kelson, the attorney representing the doctors, according to the report by the Epic Times. Um, the crux of the legal argument at this case on whether the FDA's statement constitutes medical advice and whether they overstepped the agency's authority in regulating approved drugs. The FDA's August 2021 post on an X, you are not a... Okay, this was the classic um, comment by the FDA. You are not a horse, you are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. And this is from the article that I just read about why you should not use it. So obviously, it's still not authorized or approved to treat COVID. But then again, there has not been enough large-scale studies to prove that. Now, do I think that ivermectin is actually an effective drug in treating COVID, treating it when you actually have it? I don't know. I don't think so. But then again, if it is safe and effective for so many other things, it's not a bad idea to try because we all know damn well that remdesivir didn't do a goddamn thing. And we all know right now that taking the vaccine does not stop the spread of COVID. It does not prevent death. It does not promote serious illness. It does not pre prevent spread. And there's now, and obviously, the actual alpha variant vaccine wears off. And there are arguments to be made that by the mass vaccination during the pandemic may have quite possibly caused several variants, including the Delta variant, which was actually quite fucking dangerous. So, why is this being brought up today? Because obviously, there's a big there's a big article here from 2011 about um, ivermectin and how it's a wonder drug for curing all these ailments in poor countries. Excuse me. Then of course the classic article about hey you're not a horse you're not a cow don't take this shit. And then of course what I just read to you about what uh, the argument in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is going on right now. It's because, according to valuetainment.com, that the FDA attorney said in court under oath that the FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do have the authority to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID. Now, Treating it or using it as a prophylactic are two different things. But this was said during a, this is uh, attorney Ashley Honnold. This was said during oral, oral arguments before the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on Tuesday. And we all talked about, okay, well, if the FDA explicitly, rec explicitly recognizes that doctors have the authority to prescribe this drug to treat COVID as a means of at least trying, because obviously remdesivir didn't do the job, then why, in this article over here, does it state that, excuse me, these doctors here, Merrill J. Nass, uh, a Florida doctor, where their licenses, licenses were suspended, a Florida doctor was fired. So why isn't it up to the discretion of the doctor and the patient what is best suited for them or is this just another episode of or is this another example of bumper sticker politics it is critical that all avenues be explored in order to prevent a drug that was so well 
let's be let's be honest, a, 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 a disease that was so mishandled by its creators. So, what was that? Um, oh, that thing that uh, what the fuck was his name? Jeff Goldblum said in, in Jurassic Park. The problem was the problem with the scientists today is they have um, it, what we did in that lab. There was no discipline to obtain it before you even knew what you had. You fuck. You patented it. You stamped it. You you stamped it on a cardboard box, and, bef- and before you even knew the vaccine, you were selling it. You sold to the federal government with no liability on the drug companies. Now I'm not going to say they freaking launched a virus in order to create a vaccine, but I'm telling you this: they took something and they pushed. They helicopter parented. They pushed everything out of the way. Any other treatment, any other cheap treatment or therapeutic got it out of the way so they could shove their big dick vaccine in everybody's faces. People lost their jobs, their livelihoods. They were shamed by family and friends because of this shit. There were other experimental ideas such as fucking ventilators which killed supposedly a significant a number of people in the city in, in New York during the height of this shit where they were just shoving people onto ventilators and I don't know if it was the miscalculations of how to use it or the idea itself of ventilators of forcing oxygen into the lungs which were possibly already damaged but the argument is that if these people were not put on ventilators they most likely could have better had a better chance of living so let me back up here A drug with high praise from the NIH, a long list, a huge history of aggressive studies showing how great it was, how safe it was for basically the entire world, from my from my favorite puppy to myself included. Now, this is not the only drug that's been scrutinized. There were other drugs like N-acetylcysteine, which is a drug that a lot of people t- uh, not even a drug it's a supplement that you buy at fucking walmart and it's used to help with the production of glutathione which is actually something that helps you in case you're thinking about getting a hangover the next morning and acetylcysteine is or knack as it's called is something that you can take a couple times a day and it helps prevent things like that it helps with liver health which obviously if you're going to be drinking your liver's affected but N-acetylcysteine for a while was something that you could it was looked upon very, very poorly, and they tried to move it out of the way. N-acetylcysteine is something when I get sick, I take it, and then I feel better literally the next day. And it's something I take now on a daily basis because of its benefits in the production of glutathione and just as a wonder supplement altogether. And if you want to know how vital some uh, N-acetylcysteine, you could just talk about go look up glutathione and the value of having that going through your system um and there are other things like bromelain which assist with that when you pair these drugs together now the idea of moving these drugs aside if there is anything else that is deemed effect according to the sources i understand if there's anything else that's deemed effective in the treatment against covid it would have immediately impacted the emergency use authorization act that was needed in order to get the vaccine across home plate so 
moving all these things away and not allowing for studies and not allowing for people who said that we need those studies, basically shunning and pushing aside and firing and you know censoring anybody who thought differently was the ultimate goal of people at the NIH, the Food and Drug Administration, the WHO. The WHO doesn't even recognize Taiwan. So all these large organizations who did not have the individual's health and wellness in mind at all sidelined this drug and may have quite possibly um, caused the deaths of millions of more people because there's so many other things. If you uh, There's a guy, um, what's his name? Um, John Campbell. Dr. John Campbell, who's on YouTube, British bloke. And if he's been following this from the very beginning, and you can see him go from being a very big vaccine advocate, and all of a sudden he just he's uncovering so many other things that have been taking place. Um, actually, I'm going to look up. Let's see. What's this gentleman's name? Um, let's see. Let me look him up here on my tablet. Yeah, Dr. John Campbell. So he, you know. The importance of human life. 2% of vaccine reactions reported. Excess deaths persist. Global WHO health certification, which is an extremely dangerous topic. The White House disinformation clip. Um, Pfizer's ignorance on the myocarditis situation that's going on. Um, unethical drug and vaccine ads. I mean, there is a lot of... There's a lot of shit that's going on right now that these... Um, large health organizations are basically ignoring and they're being subpoenaed to uh, in front of Congress to answer questions about. And it's going to take a long time and it's going to take a lot of pushing. This is not a, this is not a topic that you can just talk about once or twice and basically be done with it and expect that your government or your doctor's office or your state or your county is going to, oh, we'll follow up on that. No, they won't. There's much bigger um, much bigger players in the mix here about money, about control, and they don't want their pockets lightened because you decided you wanted to start taking care of yourself. So I'll finish. Let me see if there's anything else here about... Um, I'll, I'll read this article here just so you get a whole picture of what exactly is going on. So in a major narrative reversal, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, said that doctors are free to prescribe ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. This admission made by an FDA attorney appearing before the United States Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is in direct contrast with the organization's messaging during the pandemic when ivermectin was labeled as a controversial horse dewormer. Quote, the FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do not have the authority to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID, unquote, said attorney Ashley Honnold during oral, oral, oral arguments before the court on Tuesday. The Fifth Circuit Court is in the process of hearing a case brought by the three doctors who alleged the FDA overstepped its boundaries with its public information campaign against human consumption of this drug. Doctors Paul Merrick, Mary Bowden, and Robert After all alleged that they were professionally harmed by their efforts to prescribe the drug to patients. A federal judge threw out the case in 2022, prompting the hearing in the appeals court. 
uh, throughout COVID-19 pandemic, the FDA and other government bodies strongly cautioned against the taking against taking ivermectin, a powerful anti-parasitic drug, scientifically proven, that won its creators the 2015 Nobel Prize Nobel Prize in Medicine as a treatment for the virus, citing examples of the people hospitalized after consuming the non-prescription version of the drug meant for animals. The government took steps to throttle ivermectin's prescriptions. Quote, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Read a tweet from 2021, still posted on the FDA's social media page. During the pandemic, public figures like podcasters like Joe Rogan spoke openly about taking ivermectin once they tested positive for COVID-19. Although, I will say that he took a ton of things, including the monoclonal antibodies. And a bunch of other things like Z-Packs and shit. He threw the kitchen sink at it. And he did feel better because he is a person who takes his health seriously. Um, he t- So anyways, once he tested positive COVID. But various levels of online censorship prevented them from talking about any potential be- uh, benefits. And the, the jury is court still out on whether there are any. Whether it can be used as a treatment or as a prophylactic. However, during the court appearance, the FDA maintains that the public information campaign was never an order, but rather a suggestion. Quote, what about when it said, no, stop it? Circuit Judge Jennifer Walker Elrod, a panel judge for the hearing, asked, why isn't that a command? If you were in an English class, they would say that was a command, unquote. Honnell responded that in some contexts, contexts, those words could be construed as a command. And let me remind you, the FDA is not a government, um, they're not a branch, or, or excuse me, they're not part of the, you know, there's the judicial branch, the executive branch, and the legislative branch, okay? They're just a branch of the government, but they're not one of those that makes policy. So, <clears> Honnold <throat> responded that in some contexts, those words could be construed as a command, but in this context where FDA was simply using these words in the context of a quippy tweet meant to share its informational article, those statements do not rise to the level of a command. Thus far in the hearing, judges have indicated that they agree the FDA is not able to give medical advice to the public. However, the FDA argues that it did no such thing, claiming congressional authority to, quote, communicate information to the public about safe uses, safe uses of drugs. Quote, the FDA is politically accountable, just like all other executive agencies, Honnold said. The hearing concluded on Tuesday afternoon. Judges on the panel did not immediately announce when they will rule on the appeal. All right. Let me just state this. What happened there? Sorry. Okay. Let me just state this. As a final thought here. We do not know whether or not ivermectin or possibly some other medications or supplements or drugs are effective in were are or were would have been effective in dealing with this crisis. They never had they were never given the chance to. I can tell you that they were never given the chance to because of large pockets paying off our government paying off these large health organizations. They were never given the opportunity to, and they never will. Now, companies like Pfizer and um, Moderna, 
are legally immune to being sued and being gone after because of any side effects of the vaccine. They are immune to it. The federal government is not, though. The federal government is not immune to being sued by the people for its role in possibly uh, rolling out a drug that may have serious health side effects, including ones that can cause death or long-term disability. Once that has been legitimately, uh, you know, you know, stamped of approval on, when it comes to myocarditis and blood clots and spike proteins and all that other bullshit that you know requires high-level medical talk, the federal government is not immune to future lawsuits, and neither is your employer if they forced it on you or forced you out of your job because of it, they're not immune either. Okay? They're not immune. They went on medical information. They can say, we were given information at the time. We thought it was in the best interest. That's not going to be a good enough excuse if somebody suffered significant health effects and you forced them to take this in order to keep their job. It may not be a good enough defense to stop a company from having a massive class action lawsuit. Companies have been sued for stuff way way less solid than the case that's being brought forward now. And companies with billions of dollars in assets, their asses are could possibly be on the line. And I think a lot of them see the writing on the wall as to what is potentially coming down the pike. Hospitals, health insurance companies, uh, uh, large-scale businesses with over 100 employees, federal employees, all their asses are on the line right now, or at least about to be, once more information comes about. Because if it is, it, if it is legitimately proven that taking a emergency use vaccine caused significant heart conditions and blood clots and long-term disabilities by, let's say, 1 in 35 users... The floodgates are going to fucking open. And nobody will be safe at that point from lawsuits. Any employer who enforced it, any health organization, a federal organization who insisted upon it, and all the censorship that came about because of it, it will be it'll be a fucking an, a civil lawsuit apocalypse. And it's right around the corner. We'll never know. No, you'll never know the truth about every little aspect. But do your due diligence about understanding your own health and what was subjected to you in the meantime. There are ways to possibly remove these spike proteins and all this other stuff from your body, um, to in order to keep yourself from possibly having blood clots or myocarditis, which is a heart issue, which is significant and dangerous. If you did manage to escape all this shit relatively uh, you know employing you know as far as employment unharmed health wise unharmed and you found an avenue of taking care of yourself better good on you but just know this that the shit's about to split right now the fifth circuit court of appeals is hearing this case and if the fda gave bad advice if the nah gave bad advice if the government gave bad advice if that is deemed to be true floodgates open 
and the law and believe me I don't know about criminal but civil is as a significant possibility and almost a certainty and boy I'll look back on that appeal being denied by YouTube with a kind of a smirk on my face uh, in the meantime, we're at 42 minutes here. We're going to go ahead and close up shop. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, once again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't give medical. I can give medical advice simply because I feel like some of the things I've done for myself um, have been good for me, and I bet you some of this stuff is probably a fucking no-brainer. So, fine. Or, oh, fuck it, for entertainment purposes only. Vitamin C, it's good for you. Vitamin D, it's good for you. You know, beta carotene. It's good for you. Eating a carrot probably won't kill you unless you're allergic to it. You know, duh. And acetylcysteine. Uh, what's his name? Huberman. Andrew Huberman. Talks a great deal about it. Understands it. Recommends it. So there are doctors out there that are recommending this shit. PayPal wouldn't even let me purchase an acetylcysteine. Excuse me. Through one of my vitamin shops that I went through. Wouldn't even let me purchase PayPal. PayPal wouldn't let me do it because there was a crackdown on a lot of these supplements that were actually deemed to be helpful and useful. So I had to just fuck it. I was like, all right, well, fuck you, PayPal. I'll just use my credit card the old-fashioned way. You don't want the large technocracy, technocracy dictating what you buy and how you take care of yourself. That's for you to decide. Nobody else. If you want to find this audio version of this podcast, it's available anywhere podcasts are available. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Podcast Addict. Stitcher's gone. See ya. Bye-bye. But it is available on Apple Podcasts as well. Video portion of this podcast is available on Rumble at Positive Sarcasm. You can find me on Instagram at Positive underscore Sarcasm. You can email me, Positive Sarcasm at Outlook.com. But in the meantime... It's nice and dark here and cool in the spare parts studio. So I'm going to head and close up shop. Kind of like in this nighttime vibe. It's kind of nice. Just the glow and the glimmer of the screen against my big stupid face. It's nice. I like this. I uh, have to consider it for future, st- uh, future studios. But in the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the spare parts studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. Oh, Mitch, I was a little